In case you missed the announcement, Disney has brought something out of the vault for the first time. Well, maybe not the first time, but Disney definitely wants to get back into the gaming business in some capacity more than just an exclusive contract with EA for Star Wars games. Disney has announced the return of Lucasfilm Games, which used to be known as LucasArts back in the early 90s, and they were behind some great games before they treaded into mediocrity and were eventually shuttered. Now, this won't be a return to development, but more of a banner where all things Lucas will fall under and look to be tightly monitored. This announcement came as a bit of a surprise, considering that it was less than a decade ago that Disney announced the closure of LucasArts. And here's what they had to say back then. After evaluating our position in the games market, we've decided to shift LucasArts from an internal development to a licensing model, minimizing the company's risk while achieving a broader portfolio of quality Star Wars games. And many jobs were lost, and the first iteration of that licensing model became a 10-year exclusivity deal with EA, which started in 2013, and this would have come up for renewal in just a few years. This week on the Video Games Podcast, we're going to take a look at some of the notable games that will hopefully be coming from this announcement and a precedent of studios that made the transition from first-person shooters to third-person action, assuming that that's the direction for this game. Fast forward to today, and we now have Disney doing a re-evaluation of their position in the gaming market. And my thoughts were that Disney was happy with the games that actually did come from EA despite the fan reaction on some of them. But likely, I think Disney felt like there was money left on the table, as the time to develop games does take a long time, especially when a few of those games might get cancelled along the way. Now, EA was able to launch four AAA Star Wars games, as well as one mobile game so far. There's been two Battlefront entries from DICE, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order from Respawn, and Star Wars Squadrons from Motive. There was also Project Ragtag from Visceral, which was cancelled in 2017 along with the closure of that studio. The first Star Wars Battlefront in 2015 ended up selling over 14 million copies and the sequel despite its rocky launch ended up selling quite well as well after enough support from DICE. According to an EA financial report in 2019, the Battlefront series has sold a combined 33 million copies and when looking at a much better received game, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order from Respawn sold over 10 million copies that EA announced at their earnings call in early 2020. Fallen Order is easily the most well-received game out of that group, but sales-wise, most of these games have sold very well. Sadly, both of these companies probably prefer a better-selling game as opposed to a better-reviewed game. After the declaration that Lucasfilm Games was returning in a different format, a few additional announcements were made in the following days. One was that Ubisoft would be developing an open-world Star Wars game, which is going to be handled by their in-house studio, Massive Entertainment, who are the team behind the Division series. Lucasfilm Games wanting more Star Wars titles isn't much of a surprise, nor is it much of a surprise to see the company want to expand from their exclusivity deal with EA. We also now have more of an idea what this open world Star Wars game will look like since it's going to be developed by the team that created the Division, as well as using the exact same engine, the Snowdrop engine. 
The more surprising announcement was that there is going to be a new Indiana Jones game. Indiana Jones and the Staff of Kings from LucasArts was the last original game using the IP and that was back in 2009. There have been a few LEGO games since as well, but I wouldn't classify those in the same category. In addition to the massive developing an open world Star Wars game, Lucasfilm Games announced that Bethesda would be developing a new Indiana Jones game, and the great news is that this new game is being handled by Machine Games, who are most famous for the revival of the Wolfenstein series, and the game is being executive produced by Todd Howard. On a quick tangent, now that Lucasfilm Games has opened the door to other developers using the IP instead of just EA, I would love to see a narrative-based point-and-click or something more in the vein of what Telltale was doing with The Walking Dead, but instead with the Indiana Jones series. That series was able to reach some great heights because there was a huge niche that was able to be filled, but unfortunately, I think Telltale spread themselves too thin and didn't adapt the engine with the advancing technology, but that is a whole other conversation. I think there is still a niche that could be filled using the Indiana Jones series in that formula. According to the press release from Bethesda, this will be a standalone adventure starring the legendary archaeologist and will tell a wholly original tale set at the height of the career of the famed adventurer. Now, there's a few things that you can unpack from this very, very small statement, and I think the most important thing is that it will be a completely new adventure. Machine Games was able to breathe life back into the Wolfenstein franchise back in 2014 with the New Order along with the sequels and prequels that they have also released since. Machine Games have done some amazing work creating a great narrative, an alternative timeline, and made BJ Blazkowicz a character with depth. If Machine Games is able to create such lore and great storylines from the source material of Wolfenstein, then it is very enticing what they might be able to do using the source material of Indiana Jones. There is also one giant Nazi elephant in the room, and that is what kind of game is this going to be? Obviously, judging by Machine Games' pedigree, it would seem that it would be a first-person shooter, and while they could create an excellent first-person indie title, you have to assume that it will be a third-person action-adventure game. It goes without saying, but one thing that would have to be done is that the violence that Machine Games is known for would have to be turned way down, as Indiana Jones is generally known to be a PG-13 type of franchise, and this is obviously despite ripping out beating hearts, face meltings, and instant death when drinking from the Holy Grail. It may have taken a while to finally arrive here, but if Machine Games creates a third-person Indiana Jones game, what is the result going to be? Taking a look at some of the most high-profile studios that have taken the leap from exclusively developing first-person shooters to third-person adventure should help give us an idea. Here are two great examples that might help shine a light. The first studio that comes to mind is Guerrilla Games and how they pivoted away from Killzone after two decades worth of good to great games and creative one of 2017's best games with Horizon Zero Dawn. Since 2004 and the release of the first Killzone, Guerrilla Games has been working exclusively with Sony developing the first-person shooter series. It is 13 years of only being known for one thing, first-person shooting. No one could have predicted the change in direction that Guerrilla would have taken before it announced Horizon Zero Dawn, much less anticipate that the title would be as good as it was. 
In the case of Guerrilla Games, the Killzone series, initially dubbed to be the Halo killer for Sony, fell into mediocrity until the release of Halo 2, which has an average review of 91. This would also mark the high point for the Killzone series as review scores would fall for the release of Killzone 3 and even farther for the PS4 launch title Shadowfall. Despite the sales improving though, as the series grew older, Guerrilla knew that it either had to adapt or eventually the Killzone well would run dry, and they started developing a new engine for Shadowfall, and this was likely done with Horizon Zero Dawn in mind, and it was this change of direction, plus the excellence in the new engine design that propelled Guerrilla to new heights. Horizon Zero Dawn would go on to be one of the best-reviewed games from the studio at a time when gaming reviews had evolved from a simple checklist of graphics, audio, story, controls, to now judging games like any other form of art. It would also go on to easily be one of the best-selling games that Guerrilla had made to date. According to Sony in 2019, Horizon Zero Dawn had sold more than 10 million copies, and since then, they have likely sold another 1 to 2 million units on console, in addition to being ported to PC in late 2020. Guerrilla Games is a shining example of how a studio can step outside of their comfort zone and still deliver something on a similar level of quality or even greater than what they are known for. And I think it was also likely this change of direction for the studio that greatly helped managing director at the time of Guerrilla Games, Herman Holst, be selected as the new head of Worldwide Studios for PlayStation. If you follow Vince Sampella's career beyond the formation of Respawn Entertainment, then you will see that there is an even greater history of first-person shooters dating back to some of the earliest Call of Duty games. However, once things fell apart at Infinity Ward and Respawn was formed, Vince and the rest of the studio did what they were best known for and created an amazing first-person shooter, the Xbox exclusive Titanfall, which was followed up a few years later with the multi-platform and fantastic sequel, Titanfall 2. The big difference is that Respawn isn't following the same path that Guerrilla Games did. Respawn hit the wall running. Titanfall was a hit with both critics and fans. The game sold over 10 million copies, which was noted in a thank you from Respawn, and it also has an average review score of 86. Titanfall selling as well as it did was quite noteworthy since it was exclusive on the very slow out of the gate Xbox One and the sequel only improved upon the original in almost every way, unfortunately except for sales. Titanfall 2 was notoriously shoved into a poor release window one week after Battlefield and one week before Call of Duty, two series that have been around for decades and don't rely on timing or marketing for increased success. And despite being their best reviewed game to this day, Titanfall 2 only managed to sell around 4 million copies and this is based on industry estimates, which largely fell short of the very public goals of 9 to 10 million in the first year that EA was projecting. In 2019, Respawn Surprise released Apex Legends as a free-to-play game, which was an interesting take on the very hot and popular battle royale genre. Once again, this was another success, getting over 70 million downloads in its first year, but it was later that year that Respawn proved that they were more than just the developer of great first-person shooters, as Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order was finally released. Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order was a blend of many great ingredients from many great games, including Metroid, Tomb Raider, Dark Souls, and many others, but it knew just the right balance from all of these great titles. Fallen Order 
also offered a great canonical take on the Star Wars universe that was noted from both fans and critics. Yes, 2019 was a slower year for games, but it still managed to get some Game of the Year awards from many different sites and outlets, and it also sold very well, selling over 10 million copies in around its first six months, as noted in a public EA earnings call in mid-2020. One of the negative consequences of machine games being tasked to make Indiana Jones relevant again in the gaming world is that based on the studio's smaller size, it might come at the expense of the conclusion of Wolfenstein. The mainline Wolfenstein trilogy might be put on the side burner if development of the Indiana Jones series takes priority. Hopefully, the epic finale is well in development and will be completed first as machine games is only around 50 people. But there is also the possibility that with the recent acquisition from Microsoft that the team will be able to increase their budget and expand. The only drawback could be that if they get too big, then they might lose the magic that allows them to craft the games that they are known for. If history has taught us anything with developers that are more or less pigeonholed as first-person shooter specialists, then this new Indiana Jones game should be just fine. Not to apply too much pressure onto machine games, but when looking at Gorilla and Respawn, this game has potential to be the best game that Machine Games has made to date. This is no small feat though, as Machine Games have made some great games in the Wolfenstein series, and the bar is high. Despite being half a minute, the small trailer showcasing the announcement did enough to assuage fears that they might not be the right studio for the job. The crackling of the vinyl, playing the theme song, the vintage typewriter, and the famous whip prove that Machine Games understand what makes Indiana Jones special in the first place. That's all for the Video Games Podcast this week. A special note, this was our 100th episode, so thank you for listening if you've been here for a while. Thank you if you're new. Thank you to all the subscribers. And if you haven't already, please consider subscribing. And remember to be nice to your fellow gamer, but more importantly, be nice to your fellow human. Thank you.